to Cup of Cubby Blue. You're the Cubs actually won a series against the Marlins home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue. You can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. If you like the show, leave us a five-star review and a rating so other people can find it too. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs and MLB's absolute abject failure to provide women adequate special gear at Bleed Cubby Blue. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? It's going great. Uh, I'm exhausted. <laughs> we we uh, we had such a great fun day yesterday after the game at Nisei Lounge. Bleacher Bum Band played. We karaoke. Christopher Morell and some of the bullpen guys came by, and uh, Hughes, Brandon Hughes, actually gave Bleacher Bum Band fifty bucks on Venmo. Aww. Yeah, what so a thank dude. you. What a dude! Thank you, Brandon. Um, uh, it'll go to pay for the door we broke at Nisei Lounge. You broke a door? You broke Nisei? We broke We always break something. We're a band and we rock. And so we break things. Um, yeah, we accidentally cracked the, the door moving out the drums last night. So it's like, thanks, Brandon Hughes. You paid for Nisei's new door. Oh, my God. <laughs> we that's had like, such that's so fun. cool, though. I love that they showed up. They did, and we had such a good time. They wouldn't sing, though, and so I kind of gave them a little crap about that. Miguel Esparza, though, was there, the Spanish-language voice of the Cubs, and he sang some Elvis. A lot of people don't know he's a former Elvis impersonator, so we had a blast. I mean, what a fun day. Um, We had the beer from the Black Beer Baron. We kicked the keg of Summer of 54, so we had to change it over to Harold's 83, which is... uh, which was really good. It's like a honey ale. And anyway, we had a great time. I'm feeling it today. Cubs won a series. So I'm feeling good about that. I'm just, I'm, I'm feeling good, but I'm exhausted. So it's that good kind of tired where you, you earned it, you know? I'm so bummed. I couldn't go. I was, I was stuck in the Kansas city airport, uh, dealing with tons and tons of flight delays. And if you've ever been to the Kansas city airport, you know exactly how tiny it is and that there is nothing there. So it was, it was very much like just sitting in the world's tiniest airport waiting for a flight to take me back to Chicago. And I'm so sad. I missed it. Please do the karaoke party again. Cause I will totally, well, how do I say, how do I promise this correctly? I will sing with the right amount of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there was definitely the right amount of alcohol going around last night, which is why I feel how I feel right now. We had fun. You know, so. you mentioned Miguel Esparza. He had my favorite call of the weekend. So let's just jump into these games, calling Wilson Contreras' go-ahead home run in that first Marlins game. Uh, what a moment for Wilson and Wrigley Field. And if you haven't heard Miguel's call of it, go back and get the Spanish language call of that. Danny, what were these games like this weekend? I was so bummed I was not in town to welcome Wilson back the way he should have been welcomed back. <laughs> Yeah. um, Well, first of all, uh, until yesterday, the weather was pretty beautiful. It's been kind of hot, I guess. So um, Wrigley was packed. You know, it's just it's like the end of summer kind of crowd. And so I I think the vibes were just really rolling with it. Unfortunately, uh, in the first game, (laughs) they didn't really have any hits until the end. Like they were getting no hit until uh, Nick Madrigal got on. And um yeah, and then you just and then Madrigal got on again late in the eighth. Willie hits the home run, and that's pretty much the extent of the Cubs' offense. So the the offense was kind of dead in that first game. Um, you know, they let the Marlins, they kind of gave the Marlins some runs with some some bad defense when um, I think I think it was Wellman 
Uh, he, it, he threw away a ball on a pickoff, and then there was a hit by pitch, and uh, all of a sudden it's one nothing. But yeah, they were able to pull it out. Um, couldn't touch that guy Edward Cabrera in his eleventh game. The Marlins pitching, starting pitching, came as advertised. I think for the most part, as being pretty good. And um, yeah, so I mean, that first game, there's really nothing to talk about in the first game or the third game because Cubs did nothing in the third game. Only got two hits. First game, they only got four hits, but they managed to win. So, uh, but Wrigley looked fun. Yeah, it was it was an interesting series. I mean, the Cubs didn't get a ton of hits, but as we will see when we talk about the Cubs hot hitters, they managed to like pull their run creation up. They got their hits in a timely way and just just enough ways to win two out of three of these games. And look, I mean, I was kind of joking at the top of the show, like the Cubs managed to win a series against the Marlins, but I feel like they don't win series against the Marlins very often. And it's not just postseason series where they like get swept by the Marlins in 2020 or they lose a heartbreaker in 2003. It's like also regular season series for whatever reason the way the Cubs and Marlins match up usually doesn't favor the Cubs so I was impressed that they were able to take two of three from this young Marlins team that does have some pretty good pitching and they were able to get some timely hits together just to score just enough runs to win two of three yeah and uh the the Saturday game um they they shut them out so that's pretty good and I'm like thinking to myself so Smiley looks pretty good in this one he does and I'm like, well, I get it. He was injured, but like, why was he not traded? I mean, what happened there? I mean, I, really nobody. Did they just forget he was on the team? <laughs> just forgot to trade him. Like he's another one that we didn't talk about in the non-trades of people that should have maybe been traded. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I was curious what was going on there too. Smiley has looked pretty good. Like his last three or four outings. It's he, they, gone six innings he's given you a quality start he I I don't know why no one was interested in adding him for pitching depth and I don't know why um the price for his like two months of his services in your rotation was not adequate for Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins I somebody needs to write like a long form deep dive on what went down with the Cubs at this trade deadline with some serious inside information. Cause I feel like there were some missed opportunities and just some disconnects and maybe it'll work out in the long run. And again, I'm not complaining that Wilson Contreras is still here, but it, it was a very odd trade deadline for a team that is currently projected to finish the season 68 and 94, which look Cubs, you cannot. Can't if you get 68 there. wins, you better get 69. Like, I either want 100 last season or I want 69 wins. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it, that would be – I mean, I don't want 100 last season. It's just not fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, you got to give us 69 wins. I'm looking at it right now with the smiley, and I guess – do they have him for next year? Because I'm, I'm looking uh, at it, and it says a $1 million buyout club option. But, it, you know, so maybe they could keep him. Um, it doesn't say what option, he'd then, yeah. make. If yeah, so option, maybe then... that's why they didn't trade. I was thinking he was on a one year, but I guess I'm mistaken. But yeah, they're paying him four million bucks. It, it just he seems cheap. Then that club option would go somewhere else. I mean, could have got Fan... some for him. Maybe they'll wait till next year. Fangraphs lists that as a mutual option and says that his annual average salary is five point three million. So maybe they're just going to try to come to terms with. And both of them will agree that he'll stick around for one more year at five-ish yeah. million, and then they'll 
either trade him next year or they'll have him in the rotation for next year. Well, he owes us for rehabbing him from his Tommy John, <laughs> you know, from back in the day. Because then he goes off and he wins a World Series ring, and now he's um, now he's back with us. So he owes us for all that amazing rehab we gave him. Uh, honestly, yesterday's game, I was listening as I was driving around Kansas City before I went to the airport on my way to the Negro Leagues Museum, which, by the way, if you have not been to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City, holy cow, that is. Danny, have you ever been? That is an incredible I've been incredible a few place. times. It's incredible. I went, I went a few times. I went the last year with the Lost Boys. Um, they took a trip out there, and um, that was pretty cool to see, like, kids see it, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I went originally cause I wanted to meet Bob Kendrick so bad. So when the Cubs went and visited, uh, Kansas city, the last time, maybe that was 2018, 2017, I forget what year it was, but, um, yeah, I went then and it, it is a great museum. It's, I, I, and it's going to get bigger too, cause they're raising money for the Buck O'Neill center, which had been vandalized, vandalized in an apparent racist attack. Um, and they're, so they're going to do more with it. And, um, I think it's in the original YMCA where I forget what happened there, but any, where the Negro leagues was formed or the monarchs or so, something happened there. I don't know what it was, but, um, anyway, what a great museum, such great history, a lot of uniforms. Did, didn't you love seeing the old uniforms? Like, Oh my the God, they're and so everything. cool. Yeah. They're so cool. Like the, the uniforms are incredible. All of the Buck O'Neill stuff was amazing. Um, I was super thrilled that as as I walked in, and I think this is probably a special exhibit that's going in right now, but Greg Krendler, who I follow on Twitter and have talked with about his art a few times because his art's just amazing. And I, I'm honestly just stunned every time I see one of Greg's pieces that it's a painting. They look so real. I can't, yeah, I don't know totally. how he gets that kind of detail in them. But so Greg has a special exhibit with them right now and his work is all over the park or all over the museum. And so as at the museum for the record is like, it's shaped like it's called the little infield. So there's a park in the museum and like, that's why I called it a park. <laughs> Um, anyway, I, uh, that was the first thing I saw was Buck O'Neill, a Buck O'Neill piece by Greg and the fact that Greg's art was all over. And I was just like, Buck O'Neill, Greg, this is going to be a great experience. And it was, it did not disappoint. Buck has a, has a couple of special exhibits there. A lot of stuff about the Cubs, some stuff that is, I mean, look, man, the history of this country's racist actions towards lots of lots of, towards everyone but like and how it manifested in baseball specifically is not an easy thing to to face right like it's not one of those things that you you take in and you're you just like walk away from it i mean it's it i shed some tears like it's it's a heart rending type of place but it's also a very hopeful type of place and there's just some there's some history and some incredible stuff there couldn't recommend it more well, what I like about it too is that it really just celebrates some of the best players to ever play the game. And it doesn't really, I mean, it does, you know, go into the hardships and everything, but it's not all about that. It's more, I think, you know, what that, that, what that museum celebrates is the players and how great they were and how innovative the Negro leagues were as far as like having female executives and players even on the teams, um, some of the best players to ever put on the uniform, obviously, with like, you know, Josh I mean, Gibson, Josh man. Gibson alone. I would yeah, pay, I mean, if I could like go back in time and see 
one pitcher face one batter like that that would be my thing I would go see Satchel Paige face Josh Josh Gibson I wouldn't even think twice about it that's what I would want to see yeah no the doubt dude hit a home run to the upper deck of old Yankee Stadium how is that even possible yeah no and and so and now that the Negro leagues are recognized as a major league. I I'd really think that a lot of it has to go from the work uh, came from the work of, of Bob Kendrick and the museum. So it's it, to, to get that recognition. Cause for, I think it's as, it's an uncomfortable subject. So people don't want to address like the sad history of it. But really, when you look back at some of those teams, even though they were playing under really um, terrible circumstances in some places, they also brought baseball to the Dominican Republic, to Mexico, to Puerto Rico, as a a lot of those players couldn't play. um, They couldn't play in the major leagues as well. The Hispanic players, um, if they were just one shade darker of me, um, I'm a white guy, by the way. Um, but uh, the it's just like to me, it's like when you see how those players grew the game and are responsible for so much of the baseball we get now. Um, you know, also the fun style of baseball, the entertaining, the entertainment aspect of it, the um, the, the quote unquote showboating style of, uh, and it, it was just way better it was like real baseball a lot of bunting a lot of running just a kind of a different style and then um on top of it they like invented night games you know like so i mean they had the the east west game i mean the just the risk the history of it is just so rich and I'm, i'm glad you got to experience it that's really cool sarah yeah it was it was awesome i need to go back actually i need to spend more time i what i want to do and I have no idea how I'll ever do this because my parents live in Utah and I live in Chicago, but I got to figure out a way to get my parents there. I think my dad would find that museum to be incredible. My mom would find it to be incredible. It's just, it's a really special place. I'm glad I got to go check it out and recommend it highly. Um, it was, it was an honor to spend some time there. It was a, it was a really fun weekend. Uh, I spent some time watching the Red Sox get beat by the Kansas City Royals, but that was kind of cool because Eric Hosmer is a Red Sox now for reasons nobody really understands. One of those stranger moves for the, by the Red Sox at the trade deadline. Uh, he was an upgrade for them at first base. First base has been a problem for them. That's why they had Kyle Schwarber playing first base for them in <laughs> you the know postseason it's a problem. last year. <laughs> They're like, hey, can you just like try this first base thing out? Um, but Eric Hosmer, you know, World Series hero with the Royals in 2015, got an awesome standing ovation from the fans tip of the cap. And then um, on Saturday we were there to see Nick Prado get his first uh, walk-off home run of his career against the Red Sox. So the Red Sox lost, but I got to see a player get his first walk-off home run. And that was really cool too. So it was a, it was a fun weekend of baseball and debate in Kansas city for me. And I, um, I appreciated it a lot, but I was bummed that I didn't get to see these Cubs games here. At Did you eat barbecue? Okay, so I don't eat a lot of red meat, but I did have a pulled pork sandwich and I, I decided that would be like that. That's about as close to red meat as I get. And like literally it's the first pork sandwich I've had in probably six years. It was delicious. It was wonderful. My stomach was a little bit angry at me after because I don't eat a lot of meat like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> if you're not used to it, yeah. <clears throat> but but it, it was wonderful. Uh, shout out to Jeff Zimmerman over at Fangrass who suggested Arthur Bryant's for that, and it was it lived up to all of the all of the Kansas City reputations. 
Yeah, no, Arthur Bryant's is awesome. <laughs> I I'd spent uh, uh, well, let's uh, maybe I I spent a little too much time in there because I just I mountain. Did you get the fries like the giant mountain of fries they give you? Oh yeah, oh yeah, it was delicious, Danny. It was so yeah. good, um, I and know. I I probably won't eat for a week. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it. It was a lot, and uh, like we got there. I think I'd had the brisket. I mean, I I had a bunch of different stuff. It was, uh, yeah. I went there with Michael Cotton and his sons, and uh, I forget what they ran out of ribs or something because we got there late. We were so sad about that. Or his son got the ribs. I forget what it was, but yeah, we ate a lot there. We rolled out of there pretty good. Yeah, it was what funny actually. Um, years ago, when I used to coach debate, I would always try to take the students when we would go to a place like Nashville or something. I try to take them to like a local barbecue place or like a local cuisine place, like a thing they couldn't get in Massachusetts. I'll never forget. We were in Nashville for a debate tournament. I took them to a barbecue place. We're all hanging out. And I, I kid you not of the eight students I had on that trip, seven of them ordered chicken tenders at the barbecue place. And I showed them like, what are you doing? What is this? Like, why? (laughs) And don't get me wrong, like I'm I don't have like this huge palette and I probably would have done that as a kid too, but like you gotta you gotta get the cuisine the local cuisine, people. Kids don't know. Kids these days, I tell kids, you. Kids, the kids, the next generation. No, but it was great. Uh I will be back at Wrigley Field this week during this national series uh to cheer on Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ and Drew Smiley and all the guys that didn't get traded. <laughs> um finally. Man, we're going to talk about it on the flip side, but the Nationals, ooh, it's it's rough in in our nation's capital as far as baseball ooh. goes after trading Juan Soto and Josh Bell. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's Washington and D.C. is is usually a pretty rough place as it is, <laughs> you know, for all sorts of reasons. But yeah, the baseball side of it is just not looking good. Um, yeah, I. I bet you Brett Kavanaugh's sad he's got season tickets <laughs> this year. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, you know, they're terrible. They're the worst team in baseball, in fact, and they just traded pretty much the best player in in baseball. And <laughs> so they're even Soto worse. might be the best player traded since Babe Ruth. I'm not even joking. Like, I, I, I went back and was looking at this, and, like, I'm not talking about guys who hit free agency and go somewhere else. Juan Soto might literally be the like the best player traded in the history of the game since the Red Sox foolishly traded Babe Ruth. And that started a curse that lasted like 86 years. So when the Juan Soto curse hits the Nationals, it is called the curse of the childish Bambino. And they were warned that they knew what happened when you trade a player with the nickname Bambino. Like they knew. They knew, and they did it anyway. <laughs> they did it anyway. Tempting fate. Well, it sounds just like a lot of things that happen in Washington, D.C. They don't make a lot of sense. You and know, you they, did do, they did do a thing this, this weekend, though, like props to the Senate for actually passing some climate change legislation and some drug pricing legislation and, I don't know, doing things that might just might just accidentally get the Democrats reelected. Who knows? <laughs> doing <laughs> your job. See. Doing your job. What a concept. Uh, we actually need to take a quick break for our sponsors, the guys who pay for us to do our job. But on the flip side, we will talk more about this national series at Wrigley Field. But first, a quick break. All right, we're back. Uh, Nationals headed to Wrigley Field for three games starting Monday night. The pitching matchups are Keegan Thompson versus Anibal Sanchez. 
Marcus Stroman versus I think it's Pablo Espino. I didn't write his first name down and I should have because I, I just was guessing I knew who that was. And then it's I, pa- pa- Paolo, P-A-O-L-O. My bad. Paolo. My, my apologies, Mr. Espino. Uh, and Justin Steele versus Josiah Gray. Danny, what do you see in these probable pitcher matchups? Uh, well, Annabelle Sanchez is working his way back from a neck injury and it hasn't gone well for him at all. He's been pretty bad in all of his, I think he's only had four games and uh, they weren't good. And um, Keegan was bad last time he went out there. So uh, that was against St. Louis, one of his stinkier starts. He gave up five runs on 10 hits. Um, Cubs got shut out. Um, And then Espino is pretty old. He's like 35. Uh, He was out of the league for a while and just playing in the Dominican and around. And then, um, so, but he's back and pretty much stinks too. So, um, last time he went out there, he gave up five runs on seven hits against Philadelphia. So, um, and then Stroman's going out there and, uh, he was okay uh, against St. Louis. Uh, you know, you're just kind of looking for him because we get, definitely have Stro next year unless we trade him. So you're just kind of looking for him to like establish himself as a cub and, keep on rolling um, and getting stronger after being injured for a month. And then um, the sad news is, and I looked this up is that uh, the nationals, they kind of own like the guys that are on the nationals right now kind of own Marcus Stroman. It's not looking good. Like there's 85 plate appearances overall and they're batting 405 with a 424 OBP 968 OPS against him. And most of that is Nelson Cruz. Well, Nelson Cruz has not really been himself this year, though. And he currently has, like, whatever lineup protection he had from Josh Bell and Juan Soto is is definitely gone. So maybe, maybe Nelson Cruz will will lose in this battle against Stroman. You know, I want to go back. The thing you noted about these first two pitchers for the Nationals, they're both kind of old and just, like, getting some innings for them. I mean, this is like... I can't even think of an equivalent for the Cubs. Like this would be like, I don't know, man. Like when was the last time the Cubs had like some 36 year old guys who should have retired two years ago, throwing meaningful innings for them. Yeah. I mean, and some, no, I mean it, that I was going to say like, well, John Lackey, you know, probably but Lackey, was, Lackey was, reti- like knew when to go, right? Like yeah. Lackey, like lasted maybe like half a season too long, but like he retired that year. Um, Like Lester got, went to the nationals and then to the Cardinals and then did the same thing. Like, I can't even think of the last time the Cubs had a guy out there who like was totally like, yeah, you're done. And still throwing and, some meaning but quality. but we're the nationals and we don't care <laughs> so. kind of i mean I'm, I'm excited to see josiah gray in the day game on wednesday josiah gray is one of the uh youngest pitch younger pitching prospects for the nationals he was part of the return for that trey turner matt scherzer trade with the dodgers last year he could be he's an interesting arm that I, i'm excited to see but like other than that man it's this rotation is pretty bleak and it does not get better in the bullpen yeah, they've well, it goes a little better actually because their team ERA is the worst in the major leagues, and uh, their bullpen ERA is only like fourth worst. <laughs> so it's it gets slightly better. Like uh, so, yeah. No, the starting pitching is just brutal. So, but yeah, Josiah Gray is the only guy that they're like working on, and maybe will be part of their future. So, but I mean, he's a Dodgers. If you're a Dodgers minor league pitcher I feel like they've got such a great 
development system there that you'll you're you kind of think that this guy's probably going to be something especially if you know they were willing to I mean who knows the Nationals like with all these young guys and all these prospects that they're getting these hauls from doing all these deals and they just completely dismantled the 2019 World Series championship team completely dismantled by now like they did it way faster than the Cubs did it and maybe that's right you know maybe it's like okay we won the World Series everybody's gone in with the prospects, we're doing it again, you know, see you in five years, you know, maybe, I don't know, but good, but that's what the nationals are doing. Cause it's only a couple of years later. And I don't think there, is there even anybody on the team? I don't even know. It, on the nationals. We're going to talk about that in a second. Before we do, I want to talk a little bit more about Josiah Gray. Cause it's, it's kind of weird how he got to the Dodgers and how he wound up with the nationals. So Josiah Gray was actually drafted by the Cincinnati Reds and originally traded to the Dodgers with Jeter Downs uh, for the Homer Bailey, Yassiel Puig, Alex Wood, like contract swap thing that happened there when they, the Dodgers were just trying to get Puig out of town um, and took on Homer Bailey's contract as, as a result of that. Um, So I actually wonder, look, Josiah Gray has some good future value pitches and whatnot. And he he looks like he's going to be a starter in the league for a while, but, but it's interesting to me that the Dodgers traded for him developed him and then felt comfortable that they could ship him out to the nationals for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. Like, I almost wonder if there's something there that they saw that they're like, yeah, you're not going to max out here. So go, go somewhere else. And the nationals have not really been good at developing pitching. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they all got hurt. Um, uh, Yeah. I, yeah, I see what you're saying with that, but yeah, at the same time, when you're getting Trey Turner and Max Scherzer in a deal, like you have to, Give up you have something. to give up something. That's true. And they also gave up Kiebert Ruiz, who is a catcher who debuted with the Nationals at the end of last year, I think, um, playing this year as a rookie. He's he's also quite good, high, high OBP guy, uh, you know, not has not really shown the power that people thought he might have. But Kiebert Ruiz is, was the other piece that went back to the Nationals there um, for Turner and Scherzer. So, um, and guess who else you get to see? Ildemaro Vargas. <laughs> Woo! On, yeah. He, he, it's last seen hitting he, grand slams against Josh Hader. D- did we trade him? I think he's been designated for assignment like five different times by lots of people and then picked up. So I think that the Cubs designated Ildemaro Vargas for assignment and then he was picked up by the Pirates and then the Pirates designated Ildemaro Vargas for assignment and then he was picked up by the Cubs and then the Cubs designated Ildemaro Vargas for assignment again. Yeah. Picked up by I'm, somebody else and now finally is with the Nationals. Yeah, I'm seeing that. Like, yeah, the Diamondbacks. Wait, well, that's 2021. Pirates to the Cubs to the Diamondbacks. Um, he was purchased by the Diamondbacks and, uh, yeah, now a national though. So congratulations on the job, Ildemaro. Old, old <laughs> friend, Ildemaro Vargas. Um, I mean, I, I, I always liked him cause he's got a cool name. I, I didn't like him getting at bats with my favorite team, but I <laughs> appreciate the name. I mean, in a year like this, <laughs> I'll just take, I'll just take names. Well, let's it's talk fine. about these bats actually on the Nationals team because, you know, I do this thing each each episode where I go on to fan graphs. I generally go back about a month and change. Sometimes I go back exactly a month. It just kind of depends on where we're at. So, for example, um, today's numbers come from July 4th until August 7th just because that was a nice little window that gave us about four or five weeks of data to look at. Um, 
usually, and then I limit it to guys who had at least 30 plate appearances because I don't want some random small sample noise for someone who had a great week like going off and they have a WRC plus of 540 or something ridiculous to see who the hot hitters are on the teams that the Cubs are facing. The Nationals have none uh, at this moment in time. The only two guys that would have qualified for my WRC plus list of having a WRC plus over 110 would have been Juan Soto and Josh Bell, who are now both Padres. And so do not qualify for this list at this point in time. But beyond that, and and this is pretty bleak, uh, the best hitter on the Washington Nationals uh, in that time period who had at least 30 plate appearances. um, Actually, hold on. I'm going to limit this because it looks like my limit did not set the way I wanted to. Give me one second. There might be, there might be new data here, people. I was going to say, hold on. Live data. Live data. I know everybody's... Cup of Cubby Blue with live data action. (laughs) Tune in as we look things up. (laughs) That's so funny. Um, There's no records to display. That can't be right. Oh, yeah. MLB site breaks sometimes. In fact, like, I'll take a moment to complain about their app, which is just in always in some sort of state of disrepair. Um, You know, with unworking links or the... Okay, I got it back. And it's still the same. So here we go. Uh, so Juan Soto had a WRC plus during that time of 211. He is a Padre now. Josh Bell had a WRC plus during that time of 102. He would not have qualified for this list anyway. Uh, he is also a Padre. The next hottest hitter on the Nationals is Yadiel Hernandez. Yadiel Hernandez is a 37-year-old like rookie who came over from Cuba, I think. Um, he has a WRC plus of 98, so he is 2% worse than league average at driving in runs. And, th- and it gets worse from there. Lane Thomas is at 87. Victor Robles Ooh. is at 82. Luis wow. Garcia is at 69. Nelson Cruz is at 58. Cesar Hernandez is at 53. Keeper Ruiz is at 52. Ooh, I am not going to get this right. Ihari or Adri- Adrianza. Uh, I apologize. I try not to do that. And I definitely don't know how to pronounce that name. Is it His mom's listening. And Michael <laughs> Franco is at 18. So there are literally no hot hitters on the Washington Nationals who have had at least 30 plate appearances in the last month. They are at the bottom of every offensive category as a team. I've never and seen this, Danny. In three years of doing the show, I've never had this happen. The only nice thing I have to say about their offense is that they do not strike out that much somehow. Well, they cool. hit they hit into their outs. <laughs> so- Wait, so the weak. Cubs have opportunities to make errors. <laughs> exactly. So it's not good. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. This is like pretty bottom of the pickle barrel baseball we're going to be watching. I mean, all week long, really, if you think about it. They're going to go fertilize the fields of uh, Dyersville. It, it- it's well, that's the Reds, though. This is the Nationals. I mean, it's going to be a oh, week yeah. of like some real that's terrible baseball people. Like, we maybe we need to make this a game somehow. Like, how many, like, I don't know, how many errors are gonna are, the, are these teams gonna make in the next week? How many hits are they gonna get? Like, there's got to be some games here that we can play because honestly, this might be the single worst week of Cubs baseball in the history of Cubs baseball. And they might win the week because frankly, the Reds and Nationals are both terrible. I mean, I'll be pretty disappointed if we don't, but <laughs> we we have a worse record than the Reds, uh, who started off the season like two and fifty or something awful. Like that's a total Woo! exaggeration, but it was it was bad. I think I they think it was won like three, three and twenty three or something or three. Yeah. yeah, it was real bad. And now they're ahead of us. 
So, so we've um, been bad. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Mul- multiple 10-game so, losing streaks will do that to your season. Yeah, and then the Nationals are the actual worst team in baseball. So it's Tank Central over there. I mean, you know, and can you imagine, like, that whole region with um, in a tough division, and you got the Orioles, who actually are pretty good this year, but have been terrible for years and years and years. But like, so if you look at that whole region of baseball, that mid Atlantic area, it is not pretty. Um, yeah. Orioles are still in last place. You know, they got two last place teams, just terrible. Um, yeah. I'm interested. My best friend is a nationals fan and, uh, and I think he's kind of tuned out of this season wisely. <laughs> Cause, uh, but uh, yeah, he, he doesn't even know he's like, when the Juan Soto thing happened, he kind of like said, I don't know that I am interested in this team anymore. <laughs> you know, I'm like, it's going to take fair. a whole different Cubs- situation to get me back into it. You know, he's just well, out, you know. Look, there was a lot of doom and gloom from me about like why the Cubs shouldn't trade Wilson Contreras and how sad I was going to be. And I was going to go with him and we're going to change the name of the podcast to Cup of Contreras Blues. And like, I was going to like, honestly, like some of that. Some of that's a little over the top and whatever. It's not like a franchise defining trade, right? Like it's a guy who's a all-star catcher who's good at what he does and hits a lot. Who's not probably going to the hall of fame someday. And it's fine. Like this would be like the Cubs trading Ryan Sandberg in his, not even that Ryan Sandberg is like a fourth of the player. Juan Soto is like the only trade I can think of that happened in the history of major league baseball that is similar to this is the Red Sox trading Babe Ruth. And that wasn't done because of like, I don't know. We're not competitive. We're going to sell the team, whatever that was done because the Red Sox at that time were managed by an incompetent human being who cared more about his Broadway shows than he did about his baseball team. And he needed the money that he got from the Babe Ruth trade to finance some Broadway flop that was good. That did terribly. Like it was literally just mismanagement. Like this is deliberate tanking and trading 23 year old Ted Williams for hope dreams. And I don't even know, like, it's, it's just awful. Like I, I could not cheer for this team if I tried. Yeah, no, it's, they did get a haul, you know, they got, um, Mackenzie Gore. Um, they've, they, uh, they got, uh, Robert Hassel, the third who, I don't know who that guy is. It's pretty good. But, Center uh, field prospect. That's who the Cubs were eyeing. Uh, if they were going to do like a Contreras half, type of package deal trying that to get was one him. of the guys that they wanted back and Luis Camposano was one of the other ones CJ like, Abrams I, but again yeah CJ like he's a good he's a good shortstop he hasn't shown a lot of power in his cup of coffee with the major leagues this year I mean the problem with all of this is that these dudes are not that much younger than Juan Soto have no major league experience and we know what Juan Soto is because he has four years of major league experience at 23 <laughs> and none of these guys are going to be as good as Juan Soto and no, that I think we can be pretty not. sure of. The comps for Juan Soto are literally like Ted Williams and Barry Bonds and nobody else. <laughs> it's so yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So no, no, you did. You wouldn't want to give that up. You'd, you'd, you'd want to build around, yeah. but I guess you got to build around with something. So that's why they traded Juan Soto to get stuff to build around a Juan Soto type, which they did now don't have. No, it would that it would break my heart. I mean, you look up and down this team, and um, yeah, this is not not a single good player. I, yeah, mean, just, I mean, they don't. I, I I had hoped for Victor Robles being good, but he's not. I mean, I I you know I just thought that he might have been something, but 
it didn't really work out that way. OVP yeah. under 300 this year, like, you know, and they got Luke Voigt too, who actually he's okay. Right. I mean, they, they keep shipping him out. He got traded a couple times this year already. Yeah, he's okay. He was a Cardinal who got shipped to the Yankees and hit some home runs and then got shipped to the Padres and didn't hit some home runs. And now he got, he's been replaced by Josh Bell. So he'll go to the Nationals, probably their best player. Honestly, let's talk about some Cubs hot hitters because the Cubs do have some hot hitters again uh, after the malaise of the trade deadline, where last week, if you recall, only Nelson Velasquez was hot. Um, The Cubs have turned it around a little bit, mostly because like some of these guys, I think I think they have some pep in their step now after their favorites were not traded. Uh, We've got PJ Higgins. He's back up to a WRC plus of 147. We've got Wilson Contreras at 133. Ian Happ coming in at 119. Christopher Morrell, who sat yesterday because of some hamstring tightness, is at 117, hoping he doesn't have to land on the IL or anything and, and is back in the lineup soon. And then Patrick Wisdom is at 112. I mean, look, they're not lighting the world on fire at the moment, but they did kind of break out of that funk. And it'll be, they, they're about to face some real terrible pitching uh, all week long from the Nationals and the Reds. So maybe the Cubs can get hot. Yeah. Well, and they, they seem to hit better at home um, as well. So I think that'll help us at least for these first couple of games. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of wiping the floor with Washington's pitching. I, I, I bet you they win one, but cause like they're just the Cubs don't really have, they swept one team, I believe. Right. Who the nationals. I've not looked. No, no, no. Uh, the, you Cubs. Mean the Cubs. I think we swept one team and it wasn't too long ago. No, but thought, um I don't remember. I I honestly I honestly can't remember Danny. I remember there were back-to-back series wins and we thought that was pretty cool. And then there was like a six-game winning streak or a seven-game winning streak and that was pretty cool. But that's really been it for this year in terms of like any streaking. I'm looking at the schedule. I know we didn't we sweep. We almost swept Miami, but we swept Philadelphia on the road. Go Cubs go. Yeah, exactly. Right after the right after the All-Star break. They they just remember they didn't see us coming. Oh yeah, that's like, right. They didn't see us coming. We beat them. Schwarber started that series with a home run and then and then the Cubs swept them. Swept them. And then we fun. swept Pittsburgh, but that was a two game set. So it doesn't really count. It does But yeah, though. Philadelphia was the sweep. And that was how they got to a six game winning streak. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the the memories, the sweet, sweet memories of the 2022 season that we'll always <laughs> cherish. Remember that time we won six games? <laughs> Danny, when you're cherishing the time that the Cubs won six games this season, where can people find you reveling in those sweet memories on Twitter? Well, uh, yeah, at Sunranto, you can see all the things that I'm doing there, including the Sunranto show, which we're going to be doing in about three hours, actually, right before the game. So uh, normally we record on Sunday nights, but last night I was busy rocking out with Christopher Morrell, so uh, I missed my own show I'm in order to bummed. do a different show. I'm still bummed. I know. We'll, we'll, do, it ag- we'll, we'll no. do it again. I was going to say, I'm bummed that I wasn't there, but I'm, I'm more bummed that Christopher Morrell didn't sing, because I think Christopher Morrell doing karaoke would have been lit. Yeah, I, none of the guys sang. I was, I was a little disappointed in that as well, but you know, maybe they're just a little shy around... Around the fans, you know, we intimidate them. <laughs> they get a little starstruck when they're around me. 
Bleacher Jeff is a scary guy, y'all. Yeah, exactly. Looks like a mountain man who got lost in the bleachers. No, I'm just kidding. Um, if you want to find me <laughs> and really my does. and my takes during this week's honestly ridiculously awful games, uh, you can find me at, at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find everything from the show, including the stuff that we talk about here and references at the Twitter account at Cup of Cubby Blue. And make sure you're following so you never miss anything. We will be back in the middle of the week uh, to talk about what did or did not happen with this national series and to preview the Field of Dreams game and the series against the Cincinnati Reds. But first, we got to get through the remnants of the Washington Nationals. Until next time.